Here's the big idea that I want to uh, hang in front of us today. It comes from the writing of E. Stanley Jones, uh, one of the great missionary leaders of Methodism in the 20th century. Here, here's what Jones wrote. The deepest necessity of human nature is to surrender itself to something or someone beyond itself. Yourself, in your own hands, is a problem and a pain. Yourself, in the hands of God, is a possibility and a power. Yourself, that central part of who we are, in our own hands, is a problem and a pain. But that self, surrendered to God in Christ, is a possibility and a promise. So with that uh, big idea in mind, come back with me to the Palm Sunday story. As I've been living with it this year, I have found myself identifying with those unnamed, easily missed owners of that donkey. After all, somebody owned that donkey. Now, in Mark's version, it just says bystanders ask the question. But Luke, Luke tells us it was the owners of that donkey. They were the ones who said, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you untying that colt? And all they got in reply was, the master needs it. And they let it go. Now, I just want to ask you this morning, if you walked out to the parking lot and found two strangers climbing into your SUV, I'll bet you'd say, hey, what are you doing there? Where are you going with my Jeep? And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what it was about the owners of that donkey that enabled them to let their donkey go for Jesus. Now, the story clearly raises a lot of intriguing questions uh, that the gospel writers have absolutely no interest in answering, like how many owners were there? Were, were they operating a rent-a-donkey business in Jerusalem? Had Jesus made a previous reservation and put it on his American Express card? Who was it that took care of that donkey after the parade was over? And you might ask, who had to follow behind the donkey and clean up? You don't want to ask that. Fortunately, we don't bring real donkeys in the Palm Sunday Parade. I wonder, you know, about those donkey owners, but, but those questions don't even get close to the harder questions that have been rambling around in my soul. Like, what if that had been my donkey? Would I have been so willing to surrender it, to let it go to Jesus? And, and from that come even harder questions. What, in what way are we like those donkey owners and somehow we are called to surrender, to give up? to release something of ourselves into Jesus' hands. 
Is it possible that this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Maybe, maybe that's what Jesus was talking about in, in a parable that is so simple that every child can understand it, and yet so profound that it takes a lifetime of discipleship to live into it. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. I, I don't know much about planting seeds of grain, but when I think about that parable at this time of year, my, uh, my memory goes back to my childhood in western Pennsylvania where the, the first flowers to break through the ground in the springtime were tulips and crocuses. And so just play a little game with me here, okay? Go with me on this. Imagine, imagine that we, we are all a box of tulip bulbs sitting in a wooden crate in Mr. Jardine's hardware store on Main Street. And imagine with me how you would feel last fall when a hairy hand reached down into the box and pulled out a handful of those tulip bulbs. I'll bet, I'll bet if you and I were the tulip bulbs that were left behind, we'd say, Phew, that was a close call. Glad they didn't take us. We're still safe. And my guess is if we were the tulip bulbs that have been taken, we would say, hey, what are you doing here? Well, why are you putting me down in the dirt as if I were dead? That, that's how it would have felt in the fall. And then spring finally comes. The melted snow begins to seep down through the ground. The moisture penetrates our hard, crusty bulbliness. And strange and wonderful things begin to happen. And by early April, there are green sprouts bursting up through the soil. And by the time Easter gets here, the tulips have emerged into a glorious tulip nest that they never could have imagined, into a life that they never could have perceived. Now, meanwhile, back in the hardware store, those other tulip bulbs, they're still just exactly the way they were last fall. They haven't changed a bit. They're still safe and secure, tucked in their little tiny box. But they will never know the full glory of the life for which they were created because they never learned how to die. But the tulips who were willing to die have found a life they never could have imagined. That's the parable. Jesus told it in one sentence. It took me three paragraphs, but that's, that's the parable that Jesus told. And that's the story we enter into during this holy week. 
That's why it's so critically important that we enter into the story on Palm Sunday, that we enter into the upper room on Thursday night, that we come to the cross on Friday so that we are prepared for Easter morning. That's the story we enter into this week. It's the grand story of the way Jesus surrendered himself, let himself go, released himself to die so that new life could actually be born. That's the story. I, uh, I was a student in seminary when the story came out in the musical version of Jesus Christ Superstar. And all of us budding seminary students got into furious debates about whether Weber and Rice had dealt fairly with the text, and yada, 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 all things that are utterly irrelevant, really. And um, you, if you're old enough to remember the, the, you know, when it first came out or if you've seen uh, one of the movies or the Broadway play, you, you would remember the way Weber and Rice recreated the Palm Sunday Parade, Hosanna, 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 you know. But you may or may not remember the way they capture the moment after the parade when the gospel says Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. Here it is. Neither you, Simon, nor the 50,000, nor the Romans, nor the Jews, nor Judas, nor the 12, nor the priests, nor the scribes, nor doomed Jerusalem itself. Understand what power is. Understand what glory is. Understand at all, understand at all. If you knew all that I knew, my poor Jerusalem, you'd see the truth, but you close your eyes. But you close your eyes While you live Your troubles are many Poor Jerusalem To conquer death You only have to die You only have to die That is, after all, what it was for Jesus. To conquer death, you only have to die. If, if he was to become the gift of new life for all of us, he only had to die. Some of you will know that um, that, that phrase from Superstar became the title 
of a, a book that I wrote about the way God has been at work in this church across the years. And praise God, it's been a blessing to a lot of other churches. Um, you only have to die. I don't very often quote myself, but uh, here we go. On the, on the uh, first page of the book, if you forget everything else you read in this book, I hope you will remember this. Hope is born when we are willing to die for the right things. The central lesson we've been learning is that the only way that leads to life is the way that leads through death. We will never be ready to live until we confront the possibility of death. The way of costly obedience is the way that leads to joy. The only way to find new life is to follow the path that leads through some kind of death. That's, that's been our story around here. E every time we've come to some turning point, some decisive moment of obedience to the mission to which God has called us in this church, there's always been some way in which it meant dying to something in the past so that something new could be born. It always meant letting go of something that we had treasured before so that we could lay claim to what God has for us in the future. That's, that's exactly what's happened on Florida Avenue in downtown Tampa. Out of death is coming new life in this new ministry. And, and Thursday and Friday, at noon, 1215, we'll worship in the chapel there as a part of our Holy Week journey. It's the journey through death that brings new life. It, it's been our story for these years together. It's Jesus' story of the way he went to the cross. And it's the story of your life and of mine. The truth about discipleship is that being a disciple of Jesus always means following him in the way that leads to a cross. Being a disciple always means that there is some donkey in my life that I need to let go and release to be used by God in some new way. Being a disciple of Jesus always means following Jesus toward an upper room where he breaks the bread, lifts the cup and says, this, this is my body broken for you, my blood poured out for you. It means following Jesus to Gethsemane where we with Jesus learn how to pray, not my will, but yours be done. It means following Jesus to Pilate's courtyard where, like Peter, we all too often deny by the way we live that we even know who he is. It means following Jesus to a skull-shaped hill where by his dying, he will show us 
that if you try to hold on to life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life in something larger than yourself, you'll find it. Following Jesus always means going to the tomb with something that we need to surrender, to let die in the hope that God will raise it to new life. Following Jesus means that we live every day in the expectation that we, we will get to sing with, the, with other disciples made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the sky. Ah, the only, the only way to new life is the way that leads through some kind of death that leads to a cross, that leads us to that place where, where we surrender some old attitude, some old prejudice, old sins, old hatreds, old hurts, old pains, that we surrender them all into the love of God at the cross. It means following Jesus to some place where we let go of some of our own control and prerogative of our life to allow Jesus to take control of it. It means going into the ground to die so that we can be born to new life. So the question this morning, the question for me, the question for us, the question is not really who were those donkey owners we know who owns the donkey. We do. The question is, will we be willing to let something go? Release it, surrender it to Christ so that we can discover the fullness of the abundant life that he intends for us. All of which brings me back to the words with which we began. The deepest necessity in your life and in mine is to surrender ourself to something or someone beyond ourself. Yourself, myself, on our own hands, turns out to be a problem and a pain. But yourself, myself, in the hands of God, becomes a possibility and a promise. So, what are you going to do with your donkey? Let's be in a spirit of prayer. And as we do, I invite you to reflect with me on, on our own lives, to look deeply within our lives, our relationships, our values, our assumptions. How would you name the donkey you need to release today? How would you name some old attitude, old habit, old hurt, old pain, old sin that you need to take to the cross? this week where 
Where is the place in your life that you long for the gift of resurrection, to be born anew, born from above, born again? Wherever that is, I invite you to release it, surrender it, let go of it. Even in this moment of prayer right where you are. During the offering, you're welcome to come to this communion rail, to use it as a place of prayer and commitment. Justin, Debbie, Vicki, and I will be at the communion rail. If you'd like one of us to pray with you, if you'll indicate that to us, we'll be grateful for the opportunity to pray for you. Or perhaps whatever you're working with needs, needs more reflection, and, and this pastoral team is always available for you to help you discover that place where Christ is calling you to some new surrender in your life. And perhaps, perhaps for you it means some new commitment, some new step of discipleship, some clear action to which Christ is calling you. Maybe it's even to serve in the parking lot on Easter Sunday morning. Whatever that step is, I invite you to take it in the assurance that though a grain of wheat goes in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Oh God, we offer all of our Hopes, our fears, our reflections.